Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Yo, welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Man, the name says it all. If you're rocking with us, make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And now you can leave us a five-star rating as well on Spotify. Oh, also, check this out. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can get alerted of all our great content right away. Now, let's get to our amazing show. Viking fans, you know we will always show you guys love. So first quarter, opening kickoff, it's time for school check-in. Skull check-in, some of the more updated news regarding the Minnesota Vikings. You just fulfilled the GM spot. Kwesi Odofu Mensah hired as the Vikings' new general manager. Previously, he worked with the 49ers, and most recently, he was with the Browns as their VP of football operations. He has a degree from Princeton and Stanford, a former trader on Wall Street. The great, the, the Wolf of Wall Street. That was a pretty good movie. The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but Pat was. P, I don't know if you know any uh, anything about Adolfo Mensah, but he is your new GM. I know you heard about the news probably before all of us did. Did you have any, you know, any thoughts on the hire, um, you know, coming from the San Francisco 49ers, coming from the Cleveland Browns? Do you have any thoughts on the hire? Uh, no, not really, but you can just, you know, tell they're going off, you know, recent success. Uh, of the places that he's been. Um, Cleveland definitely started to get it going over the last two years, you know, get themselves in the playoff picture, um, you know, put put themselves in position to be a competitive football team uh, and being with the 49ers, especially when Jim was there, you know, those guys in NFC championship every single year, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, going off his past resume and his past history, um, you know, he's been around um, not only great teachers, but, you know, great guys who understand and know how to put teams together and uh, also create a winning environment. What makes a good GM, Pat P? You've been around the league for quite some time. You've been able to uh, converse with different GMs. But in Mm -hmm. your opinion, Pat P, what makes a good GM? I believe on being able to communicate, you know, being being not only being able to communicate, but being a good communicator, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, understanding how you know you have to adapt at some at some point you know you know it's, it can't be your way or the highway you know what I mean you have to be mm-hmm. understand how to adapt and and also be a good a great evaluator you know great evaluator a great decision maker um in those hard mo- in those hard moments you know um being able to 
being a good a great leader as well because at the end of the day you know all all good decisions that are made pretty much you know you know 70 percent of the decisions that are made is is laid upon your uh upon your shoulders so mm-hmm. um i think those are some good qualities that that can make um a good gm sure yeah and just to piggyback off some of the points you mentioned uh most of our listeners and our fans our watch uh our viewers as well they've never been a part of a football organization but when you look at a general manager you look at basically the second in command you know what i mean he is the guy that is next to the the big guy which is usually the owner and the thing that pat p emphasized and i will i would agree to as well being transparent see a lot of general managers they don't understand transparency is something that players want don't tell me one thing when you're thinking something else that ain't cool we're all grown men and sometimes understanding and knowing that grown men receives big news sometimes it's, it's hard news and the same can be said for GMs sometimes. But a lot of GMs, they they say one thing and then behind closed doors, they say something totally different. That ain't cool. And the first sign that you're going in the wrong direction is when you think you know everything. You yeah. know, good GMs don't mind taking advice. Right. Learning, listening, being able to understand. I don't know everything regarding this team. I'm not always the smartest person in the room. And I think you can apply those, those skill sets and tools to just everyday life. Anytime you think you know everything all the time, you don't. And you're going to fail more than more than none. But uh, we will see. I'm okay with the hire as well. I love being able to give up and coming uh, uh, individuals an opportunity um, to be able to showcase what they can do. So that's good for the Minnesota Vikings. And you hit on something earlier talking about the resume for Adolfo Mensah uh, coming from the Browns and also the San Francisco 49ers. Because of that relationship he had he had with the 49ers, uh, the most recent news coming from Minnesota, they will be interviewing Jim Harbaugh on Wednesday. Now, why is that significant? It's significant because Jim Harbaugh is the head coach currently for the Michigan Wolverines. National signing day will happen Wednesday. tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes, and we're recording this on Tuesday. So when we release this, Harbaugh could be the head coach. We don't know, but... That's happening tomorrow. And you don't usually see a collegiate head coach taking an interview the same day they're finalizing their signing day class. So that's an intriguing thing. But you were a part of the Cardinals during, it was your rookie year when Harbaugh was there in San Francisco. What do you remember about the teams that he had in San Francisco when he was head coaching in the league? Oh, man, just tough, gritty. Um, There definitely was a team. Pretty much what how San Francisco team is right now. They're going to establish the run. Yeah. They're going to punch you in the mouth and see how long you can take it. Hey, Simple never as that. Lie. that was a physical bunch, boy. Boy, remember, they were, that's when they were still playing in Candlestick Park. You, you yes, played in uh, Candlestick oh, yeah. Park. Yeah, that was yeah. a physical bunch, man. They they mm-hmm. played the game differently. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I think it had a lot to do with that was something that he required, and they were able to execute that as well. Let's look at some of the numbers from Harbaugh in San Francisco. Uh, I mean... He won ball games in four years. He was 44 and 19, uh, three NFC championship appearances, one Super Bowl appearance, and they could have easily won that ball game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, seven seasons at Michigan, he was 61 and 24, just made uh, the college football uh, playoffs for the first time this last year. And I think it's easy for him to leave because he just finally beat Ohio State. I don't yeah. think he ever wanted to leave Michigan not beating Ohio State at least one time, Pat P. You feel what I'm saying? Oh, I, I, I hear you knocking, coach. No question. So I felt he was like, you know what? We didn't win the championship, but I did the next best thing. Finally beat 
uh, Ohio State. Do you think he'll be a good fit, or what kind of fit do you think he would be in Minnesota? Um, I think he'll be a great fit. I think he'll <clears throat> the uh, the culture, he, 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 you know, the atmosphere he'll buy right into. It. I think he'll love the atmosphere here. Um, you know, I think you know his uh, the, the way he wants the game to be played. It, it resembles. Um, the state of Minnesota, you know, just tough, <laughs> gritty. Elaborate a little more on that. What you mean by that? Um, you know, just for me, you know, how people, you know, always say, you know, I can't live in the cold. I can't do this. You know, it's it's just different there. You got to be built different, you know, to mm-hmm. live in Minnesota. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, that's something that he can bring, you know, to the table as far as just being different, bringing that you know, that physical mindset to the, to the, to the, to the stadium each and every time we step off the bus. Um, and, you know, the, the, the crowd, they love that, you know, this, this organization, this, this community that, you know, the, the stadium, they, they feed off, you know, big plays and, 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 and this football games. And I think, you know, that's something that he can bring to the table. So, yeah. you know, honestly, with the name that's left, you know, he's, you know, I know, you know, some of the coaches that they want, they want somebody that has credibility. They want someone that, you know, that can lead a bunch of a group of men that can get everybody on the same page and um, get everybody on that, uh, uh, you know, to, to have that same common goal. And that's to win a championship, mm-hmm. you know, and his past history says that. And as far as, you know, him, he probably has the best resume left. Yeah. out there for coaches yeah i don't think there's um, another coach that's available that's a contender yeah. to land a head coaching job that has made it to the super bowl yeah so i won't um i won't be surprised if he if he's not the coach tomorrow yeah would you be excited to play for hallball yeah man obviously have an opportunity to, to compete against him you know um oh i know you remember you yeah, for about four years. I think yeah, he was there four years. Right? So having an opportunity to play. You, you remember? Him. Wait a minute. You remember? You remember any big time plays against Hallball coach team in San Fran? Do you have any, remember any picks? Any returns? Anything um, that you can think of? Because I know you used to you you gave San Fran a lot of work. Now. Yeah, I had a couple couple. I mean, I I do have a memorable moment though against San Fran. Our last game in Candlestick. Was that Hallball? Dropped, yeah, against Hallball. Okay. Dropped Tell us about pick, it. Dropped the pick against Randy Moss. Oh, I heard this story. Man, I was pissed, man. So that's the only thing I can, like, that's a, that's a, uh, you know, one of the memories I can, I can remember right now. Um, you know, I had a couple of big punt returns against them. You know what, the crazy thing about it, I don't have one interception against, um, against the 49ers. Really? You gotta get that on your check, your, your checklist. Yep. I don't have one. I got a, I got a couple fumble returns and a couple sacks, but I don't uh-huh. have any interceptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you this much. I don't know exactly how the fans feel. And like I said, by the time we release this, we might have more updated information. But Viking fans, let us know your thoughts about potentially hiring Harbaugh. He's from the area, though. He's born in Ohio, played at Michigan, of course, in Indy for the Colts. Uh, He's familiar with that area of the country. And like you said, the thing I love what you hit on with being Minnesota, playing in Minnesota, it fits the the, the culture of the city. You got to be gritty. You mm-hmm. got to kind of be gritty, you know what I mean? And oh, then yeah. get gritty when you get into the end zone. So, yeah, 44 and 19. That's a very, very impressive resume four seasons with the San Francisco 49ers. And what people fail to realize, too, when he jumped, when he got to San Francisco, he revitalized that program. They, oh, they were they were bad. You know, they had just got done with the 
was it Singletary area era? And then I think he came after that, but he kind of revitalized it and turned that program around instantly. And let's yeah. see exactly what he will have in store. But also, one thing about Minnesota, the cupboard is not bare. You got a running back that you can rely on. You got wide receivers. You're going to yep. get an energetic tight end back in Irv Smith. Yep. Yep. Uh, you got a quarterback that has experience out of all the jobs that are available. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the show and we do this together every week, but I think Minnesota is the best job. Personnel-wise. I agree. And the uncertainty with the Green Bay Packers. I understand when people say you want to play against the best. Listen, if you're a Viking fans, you want to see Aaron Rodgers leave. It's time to get up out of there. Because <laughs> if he leaves, let's keep it real, Pat P. That division is wide open. Yeah. Wide open. The time is now. The time is now. So we see exactly what happens. And talking about the team and the cupboard not being bare, Pro Bowl announced Kirk Cousins and Brian O'Neill named as replacements. Um, you've played in a lot of Pro Bowls. you played a lot of Pro Bowls. You know, do you have any memorable moments playing in Pro Bowl? You played in when it was in Hawaii, when it was in Orlando. Uh, take us I back played, to some of I your favorite of memories. I played when the Pro Bowl was in Arizona. Arizona. Hawaii. Orlando. Uh, Orlando. And I think that's it. Yeah, just those uh, three spots. But uh, I mean, my, I can remember my first Pro Bowl ever, you know, going to and just being at all, you know, at all the all the all the legends that was there. I, I, I'll never forget um, my man, uh, James Harrison mm-hmm. was down there on the at the pool. And he, him working and his out. boy, no, nah, he wasn't working out. He was doing a karaoke. <laughs> him and his boys, oh, my God. And it's like our balcony was, like, right there. So I had, like, the perfect view. Because I remember, i never forget, the first night, you know, Debo, he tried mm-hmm. to get me to drink. Ah, man, ain't drinking, man. No. Like, <laughs> no, young belly, you drinking this. No. Yeah. Boom. I'm like, ah. my wife, my, my soon-to-be wife right here seeing me get pumped. I'm like, all right, man. Boom. I said, you know what? He won't catch me down here tomorrow. <laughs> oh, so you ain't going back to that poolside? <laughs> so like I said, my balcony, uh-huh. I had the perfect view so I could see everything. It, I, it was, it had to be another Steelers guy and like one of his partners or whatever, but they was doing like a karaoke in front of everybody. They had like a luau out there. Um, everybody at the pool mm-hmm. and just, I remember just James Harrison literally just going ham. I can't remember the song he was singing, but just going ham on the song that we was singing. Um, but that was just one of my favorite memories of just being not in the game, but in mm-hmm. the, in the, uh, one of my favorite memories of actually playing in a game will probably be, uh, I think it was my seventh Pro Bowl when I got the two picks well, um, Pat, I mean, you made, you made eight, right? Yeah, I made eight. And my, I think it was my seventh or my sixth one, because my second one, I got two picks. And then my, I think the seventh one, I got two picks as well. I think I, I'm close on the, I should be up there with D'Angelo Hall on the record. Mm-hmm. On, we got it, we got it. Eric got a, got a stat check that. Yeah, but anywho, uh, the two picks in Orlando, especially to me because that was, uh, the game was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And getting two picks in the backyard, it was big. And I thought I almost had defensive player to, uh, of the game until Von Miller freaked around and sacked. I can't remember who was a quarterback at the time, but sacked him, forced a fumble, and they end up winning the game. Because if we win, I get the defense MVP. 
Yeah, yeah. Vaughn ended up doing Vaughn Miller stuff. And the AFC got, one. Yeah, AFC ended up winning. He ended up getting the, uh, the MVP. Yeah. Well, the, the Pro Bowl this year will happen in Las Vegas, first time ever. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Harrison Smith were picked for the initial roster. Kirk Cousins and Brian O'Neill named as replacements. So let's see exactly how this game take, takes off in Viva Las Vegas. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Now it's time to tap in to Around the League Conference Championship Recap. Pat P, Conference Championship ball games, you were one and one. All right, your overall playoff record, seven and five. On the weekend for me, I was two and oh in Conference Championship week, uh, Conference Championship ball games. My overall record is six and five. Why I only got 11 and Pat P got 12? You had a push, B-Mac, because you well, were I had a push, spread. that's why. So I'm 6'5 and 1, I guess. So 6'5 and 1, <laughs> all right? So we got our Super Bowl picks coming. One thing I can tell you guys about Pat P, uh, given his picks, he's just giving his picks <laughs> to outright win. But if you've been following Pat P, the underdog has been his go-to. And that <laughs> underdog, man, has been cashing in. If you've been listening to us, if you've been watching us, Pat P will give his straight-up straight pick <laughs> on who wins, who loses. And he's been, he been laying it heavy. With the underdogs, so let's see exactly what happens with the Super Bowl pick. But let's go ahead and recap real quick. The Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime. Yes, sir. Now, Pat P., you highlighted Joe Burrow last week. Now, the thing is now, let's see. I don't know if it's more of, of Pat P.'s bias for Joe no. Burrow being an LSU no, guy okay. or he just saw something in the future. But you felt super good about Man. Joe Burrow. Man, well, I, I was going to ask you how surprised were you, but clearly you called it. Hey, surprised. Yeah, I told so, you. What, what, what did was, you think? What, <laughs> 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, completed 23. Man, but tell us about Joe Cool, man. And did you see his outfit going to the game? Yes, I saw his outfit, man. Cool, cool Joe Burrow, man. Just cool <laughs> as the other side of the pillow, man. He didn't make – I feel like he played a very manageable game. Yep. He didn't make any mistakes. He put, he put the ball where he needed to, especially when it was third quarter, about six minutes to go in that ball game. That's when the ice in his veins started sizzling up. That you know, you know, you know, uh, that Coors Light commercial with that train coming, the railroad track started to freeze up. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly uh -huh. how Joe. Seven minutes to go in the ball game. I mean, seven minutes to go in the third quarter. That's what that's what you hear. Joe Burrow veins started to freeze up. Iceman started to come alive. And he played the plays where he needed to play. And defense also played outstanding, getting off the yeah, field when they needed needed to get off the field. And technically shutting those guys out from that point on as well. They played great collectively um, team defense. Um, 
uh, flipping the field on uh, on, 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 on special teams, mm-hmm. getting the stops that they needed on defense, running, the, establishing the run to open up the pass, and yeah, it was it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a great win, man. And real quick to highlight what you were talking about with the defense, Cincinnati's defense in the second half, Pat Mahomes was eight of eighteen, only fifty five yards, mm-hmm. two interceptions. In the first half, he had two hundred and twenty yards yep. throwing and three touchdowns. So they just yeah. neutralized Pat Mahomes. And this is something I want to highlight about it. and talk about, right, Pat P? Pat Mahomes is too good of a player, super talented, to have so many oh-no moments, like moments where he's not just thinking. Like sometimes he makes the game harder than what it is. I and, think, and, I think, and that's honestly, the thing about Tom Brady that made Tom Brady so special. Tom Brady didn't mind nickel and diamond. He didn't mind doing it the easy way to get down the length of the football field to score. Pat but Mahomes think, just want to make it a backyard football game. Yeah, but I think that's the structure of the offense. Like, because obviously, you know, fans and people look at it from, you know, the TV copy. But looking at it from, from the, the actual players' copy, they routes too deep. They routes too deep. They roll them out too much and pretty much cutting off one side of the field. I think that's, to me, I think that's the dumbest play in any offensive in, in, in play call. Because yeah. why would you want to cut off one side of the field? The the field. Make it, yes. That's what we want. If, we, exactly. if you're going to just utilize one side, of, I'm okay with that. And I think that's where all the oh no moments come up when he has to roll out and they're taking away that first read. And his next best throw is 50 yards down the field. Backside. You know what I mean? So I think if they change up the play call where it's more West Coast offense, Dinkin and Duncan, you know, a little bit more. Only only Dinkin Duncan they have in the offense is is, uh, is RPO. Everything else is 10, 15 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like he have a lot of those old sh- moments. You feel me? Yeah, he have a lot, boy. You'd be like, man, yeah. what are you doing, yeah. bro? Yeah. And then yeah. also, too, like you talk about the play calling, they ran the ball well in the first half. McKinnon ran the ball well, bro. caught the ball well. They got away from running the game. You had an 18-point lead in the second half. You're at yeah. home. Run the football. If I'm not this mistaken, was... he had he finished the game with like 12 carries for 60-plus yards. Good average. Keep it Man. going. He should have had 20-some carries. Mac, I'm going to tell you where Kansas City got, really shot themselves in the foot. When it was down at the goal line. Half right before halftime? No, no, no. This is the end of the game when they kicked the field goal. Oh. When they when they threw the ball, when they tried to do a play action, and Pat took that sack. Yeah, he took that sack. Run the football, man. That's the hardest place to try to throw the football. And then all they did, I think they ran like um, I want to say like double pylon. Like they had like every every guy was pretty much uh on the back pylon. But I'm mm-hmm. like, man. Run the football, still get a shotgun man, so you can still me. get your numbers. Offensive coordinator, run the football. They don't want to do it. They don't want to mm-hmm. do it. They don't want to do yeah, it. I, was, I know fans yeah, I be hollering all the, all the time. time. Run the ball. That's another another case in the third in the Rams game. I was like, man, I hope this don't cost the Rams the game. Second, third, and one, they run a freaking play action, almost get a sack. Then they come back on fourth and one, and didn't get the quarterback sneak. Yeah, yeah. Third and I'm one, like, run man, the ball. Come on, man. That's what your running back is there for. You need one yard. Run the what ball. are we talking about right now? Man, we, we see this all the time. <laughs> I, people ask me all the time, like, is the game rigged? Why do these coaches do that? No, it's not rigged. They just get their egocentric. They got to feed their ego. Like, it's, okay. it's, it's like this. If I run the ball on first down and we get five, six yards, I don't care what my script tells me to do. I'm running it again. <laughs> I'm running it again. 
I don't care what the script said. If my first 15 plays are scripted, meaning I'm running X, Y, and Z, I don't care. I'm going off the script. We just ran the ball for six, six yards. It's second and four. Why are we throwing the ball? Now you run it again, you get another first. Now you set up the play action. Versus trying to pass the ball on second and two. Now you, I'm at second and five, incomplete. Now you're third and five. Now you're scratching your head. Now yeah. you got to go. And we know you're throwing <laughs> the ball now. Basically, we know that. Yeah. And real quick to highlight, you talked about the Rams. The Rams came back to beat the San Francisco 49ers 20-17. Uh, was a, it was a real good game. It was a real good game. But one thing I'd like to highlight, it was a back and forth affair. Uh, we didn't see... You've played against Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit. Is, Jim, is it fair that Jimmy G is receiving all the criticism that he receives, you think, Pat P? But what do you think about his game? I think Jimmy is a great game manager. You know, mm -hmm. he ain't going to do nothing too flashy. You know, he ain't going to do nothing, you know, too crazy. But at the end of the day, he might you might see a 350-yard day. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to put the ball where he needs to be. He got great accuracy, especially inside the numbers. I mean, that is his goal. Any any throw inside the numbers, he's going to make those throws. The way he mm -hmm. struggles is when he has to throw the ball outside the numbers with those outs, those goals. That's where he's kind of inconsistent. And that just, that's just the numbers, you know what I mean? Because obviously playing against him twice and being in that division, playing, him against him, uh, playing against him this year as well. But as far as his accuracy in between those numbers, you know, one of the best to do it. Um, and like I said, just a great, he's a great game manager. He ain't going to make no mistakes. You know what I mean? you got to have a good running game um, to, uh, to, to be able to get, to make him feel comfortable. Let's go back to something you said. Why is it, and you said, and I agree with you, he is the better quarterback throwing in between the numbers mm -hmm. than outside of the numbers. Why is that? And, and, and why is that important? for you as a defender, as a guy that's scouting and game planning for a guy like Jimmy G, why is that important to know? Oh, for me, the hell, I'm, if the numbers say his best throws in, the, in, in between the numbers, I'm, I'm protecting my inside. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And basically, when you see quarterbacks struggle on outside number throws, their arm is, either, it's two things, either the arm is not strong enough, the accuracy is just inconsistent. And that's what we see a lot of times when college quarterbacks, like when I played college football and Pat P, the same could be said for you. Most of the guys I played against probably wouldn't have got a shot to get drafted. So anytime I was to the wide side of the football field, I'm inviting oh, yeah. an outside throw. Oh, yeah. All day. You're not going to hit me with no posts, no slants, no curls, no digs. Mm -hmm. I know it's an easier throw. It's closer. Right. And you guys that are listening to us, watching us, you know, it's, if you're in the middle of the football field, a slant is a closer throw mm -hmm. than a corner route than an out route than a comeback route so when i played against certain guys like that in, the, in college i'm like man listen i'm on the wide side of football field if i press you i'm inside if i play off i'm, I'm inside let me see if you can consistently make those throws and you hit it dead on the head when it comes to jimmy garoppolo he's a better quarterback throwing in between the numbers than outside and most nfl quarterbacks they have that glitch to their game a little bit but the great ones the ones that are real good but it don't matter Mm -mm. It don't matter the where they are on the football field. They're gonna hit you at that 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 out that, that that deep out won't come still be Man, on point. I remember after I remember Carson Palmer used to used to throw out routes from deep 15, 17 yard out routes from the opposite hash. Uh, that's not Bro, even that's supposed a, to be possible. That's a 37 yard pass on the rope, though. That ain't in the air. That's on the rope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I remember Kurt went out my first year, only year out there in Arizona was in practice, man, and Kurt. The ball was on the opposite hash. And I, I'm like, I had a wide split. 
I don't know. I can't remember who the receiver was. I'm like, ain't no way in the world he ran an outbreaking route. I'm sitting heavy inside <laughs> Pat Pete, like two yards inside. This man mm-hmm. ran a comeback. And I said, he ain't throwing it. <laughs> but when I tell you he threw it and it was there, I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm like, boy, Kurt, Kurt Warner got something. You know, I'm, I'm already knew he was prolific, but I'm like, man, that's not a throw you see all the time. Those are the quarterbacks. When you got those type of guys, you got to cover every route, no matter where you want the football field. Uh, going back to that uh, Rams game, OBJ, friend of the show, nine receptions, 113. And Cleveland said OBJ was the problem. Yeah, they did. Oh, man, tell us about your guy, OBJ, man. He has really found his way in this offense. And now because of that, and you remember he, told, he talked to us about he just want to win when we had him on the show. He just won to win. And now he has an opportunity to win. How happy are you, you know, seeing your, your road dog, man, get a chance to play in the Super Bowl? Man, really happy for my guy, Odell, man. It's a, a deserving moment for him um, in his career. Um, you know, happy that he's finally, you know, finding happiness and peace. You know, it just seems like uh, the Odell that we once, you know, saw when he was in uh, – uh, New York, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of excitement, a lot of smiling, you know, a lot of dance, less dancing on the field. But, you know, after the game, the, you know, the the excitement came out of him for sure. Um, you know, he changed his cleats like five times. I saw him with some some white ones on, yellow white ones on at one point. <laughs> I was like, hey, oh, I think Lord. I think that's the thing now, because I noticed Jamar Chase, he'll play with a certain cleat in a half. In the first half, in the second half, he come out with a different clique too. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is a fashion show, but yeah. they were dope. They were dope. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, it's good to see him um, back in his bag, man. And, and you know, he just needed an opportunity. Now that he has a a good offensive minded coach, a, a, a damn good quarterback, who always thought who uh, was an underrated quarterback um, in this league. Um, you know, in his second home, basically in LA. You know, yeah. just he just he just in the, he in a good place. Oh, he in a great place. He out there in LA where he want to be, <laughs> and they winning, and the Super Bowl out there. Man, well, it's a great time to be alive yes, out there right now. Yes, sir. Ooh. Hey, so Pat P, is you know what time it is? It's time to, to, to go ahead and let our picks be known. Now, granted, we have an opportunity to change because we're still over a week away from the big game. All right, right out in Los going. Angeles, right? So Pat All P, who are we rolling with? Man, you know who I'm rolling with. You Not know who I'm rolling Yes, you do. You know you who I'm rolling with. Cincinnati. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I, I, know who, I know who you're going with. See, But see, you know, I'm, I'm making my pick based on the number, the spread. Cincinnati is getting three and a half or four points, depending on where you're shopping. I'm going to take Cincinnati right now. I'm going to take yeah. Cincinnati getting points. So Eric going to jot this down. We're going to see exactly how it happens. In Los Angeles, Los Angeles. And make sure you guys stay tuned and, 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 and rock with us next week. Me and Pat P will be doing some shows from L.A. Uh, got a few shows lined up for you guys. So make sure you tune in and check us out next week as well. So Pat P is staying with the underdog straight up. Pat P doesn't do anything with the spreads or the lines. Nope. He just picking straight up, taking Cincinnati. But me, I love to try to fatten your pockets. Give me Cincinnati getting four points. And the over-under is 50, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know exactly which way I want to lean to, but I'll take Cincinnati. You got to so go, go over. It's definitely over. Yeah, it might be. Defense if might I be had, optional. If, yeah, if I had to take them, yeah, I'd go over. Yeah. Fireworks in La La Land. Let's go. It going to be. You know they want They got their popcorn ready, too. <laughs> All right, so, Pat Pete, 
outside of Super Bowl news, there was some other big news as well. Tom Brady finally called it quits. Big Ben retired as well. Uh, Tom Brady, do you think he's actually done? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. Tell us why. Why do you think he's done? Um, no, nah, just, just, you know, just Tom's different. Like, he just ain't going to walk away from the game. You know? Like, if he, if he wanted to continue to play, he would come out and say, I'm mm-hmm. still going to play. You know what I mean? I agree. He said, and he said that he's retiring, he's retiring. So, um, it was, you know, the great, the game would definitely miss, you know, the greatest player of all time. You know, just the, he's the greatest player in sports. He, I mean, in football, that just the hell with, you know, the, the greatest quarterback. Taking Tom Brady over Jerry Rice as the best football player ever? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I definitely say this. Tom Brady is the biggest overachiever in professional sports. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I agree with that as well. Because a guy that think, overachieved more than any other individual, being mm-hmm. a late round draft pick, that is. Right. I yeah. think just just what he was able to do, no matter where he went, what he want, he want wherever he went. Mm-hmm. Even he hell, he took the team to the Super Bowl when he was suspended for four games. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> you you know didn't I mean? play against Tom as much as I played against him, but do you have any favorite memories against Tom? Man, I do, man. My favorite memory against Tom, second play of the game, he tried to throw the ball to uh, Lord Rissenso, Aaron Hernandez, and my boy Darnell Dockett tipped it, and I one-hand snagged that joint. You did? Second play of the game. And only <laughs> played against Tom, only played against Tom once. Because uh, the second time we played him, no, actually, yeah, the, the last year, the, the year before last, they had Cam Newton, and then the, I played against Jimmy Garoppolo. That's when he was on that, that, that four um, game suspension, uh, 2016. Wow. Jimmy, that was Jimmy Garoppolo's first start. It was, it yeah, was so don't did. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sunday night football. Monday, yeah, yeah, I remember that out in Arizona. Yep. Man, one of my favorite memories, I guess, was it wasn't a, it was a memory where I was, I was surprised. We were playing. I think the Patriots on Sunday night at home and Tom Brady scored one of his, uh, you know, infamous uh, quarterback sneaks that he was notorious mm-hmm. for. Right. And when he scored the quarterback sneak, you know, we always, it was a little bit of bad blood between the Steelers and the Patriots. They really didn't. We, we weren't a rival, but we didn't like them. They didn't like us maybe because of Spygate or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, you see, I slid that in there, yeah. but uh, Tom scored on the quarterback sneak and he got up and it was already, intense people were talking trash but you know most quarterbacks don't really get involved in trash talking he'd spike the ball and he would cussing out everybody f that and he was just cussing out everybody so i remember (laughs) some of the boys on defense start cussing him back cussing him out and i was on the left side of the line of scrimmage so i'm I'm like hey that's tom brady going in like that right he just was cussing (laughs) so i was surprised because i didn't know tom like get it in like that you know what i mean just like you said, most quarterbacks are laid back. They don't get involved in the extracurriculars that happen during the ball game. But I'm minding my business. I'm just looking like, dang, Tom Brady. And he walked past me. He's like, what the hell are you looking at? <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, caught me by, it caught me off guard. I'm like, what? <laughs> I ain't even say, I ain't, even, I ain't even had nothing to do with whatever y'all got going on. But it, I was so <laughs> surprised that he was cussing at me. Like, if it was any other play, I'm going right back at you. Right. You know what I mean? I'm 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 in your ear. I'm talking to you. I'm gonna say something crazy to you, whatever the case may be. But when Tom hit me with that, I was just like, oh, 
<laughs> it was one of those situations where I thought somebody was behind me who he had mm-hmm. beef with. Yeah. I kind of looked at that. Who he, oh, that, he talking he to me? Talking to me. <laughs> I said, wow, Tom Brady cussed me out real decent. And I didn't know what to say. I wasn't surprised. Yeah, but Tom he's the ultimate me. competitor, though. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. why guys rally behind him because he doesn't act differently. You know what I mean? He nah. he he understands how big the moment is and he plays with that passion. So I love that as well. Teammate of mine, Big Ben, he called it quits. Uh, two-time Super Bowl champion. Man, so I've been hearing people say they won't have two first ballot Hall of Famers going to the Hall the same year. So you know Tom Brady's going to get in, right? But I, I think that should, man, please, Big Ben should be a first ballot. You think Big Ben first ballot? No doubt about it. Yeah. <clears throat> no doubt. Yeah. So we're going to wait and see. But two outstanding quarterbacks that won championships, highly respected, called it quits in the National Football League. They will forever be missed. When Pat P, it's time to tap into the coaching carousel in the National Football League. We're going to just jump right to it. Most recent news coming from the NFL. Brian Flores is suing the NFL. Brian Flores is suing the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos. If you guys have been living under a rock, not quite sure about this story, let me fill you in. Brian Flores is saying, uh, during his time in Miami, Stephen Ross, the owner, wanted him to lose ballgames, I think, back in 2019, if not mistaken, the year. Basically offered him $100,000 to every game he lost so they can have a better spot in the draft. Brian Flores did not listen to those requests and they won ball games. And I guess Steven Ross was mad at him. Brian Flores also alleged, allegedly says that Steven Ross wanted to involve him in a potential tampering situation with a well-known quarterback. He declined to be on that trip with the quarterback and Steven Ross. Brian Flores also state, stated that during this year, during the offseason. While interviewing for different jobs, the New York football giants was basically just bringing him up just for no reason when they already had their hire of Brian Dayball. And the reason why he found that out is because he put a screenshot of the text messages between himself and Bill Belichick, his former coach. And Belichick was congratulating Brian on getting getting ready to be offered the New York Giants job. And Belichick said, I heard they're going to offer you the job. It's up to you if you want it. So Brian Flores responded, Pat P, and said, wait, coach, you know something I don't know? Because he he didn't interview the team yet. Mm. So Bill Belichick responded and said, well, I heard both from the Bills and the Giants that they're going to offer you the job. So Brian Flores put two and two together and said, wait a minute, coach. I think you're you're trying to text Brian Dayball. Mm. So he was... Belichick was thinking he was texting Brian Dayball and congratulating him on the job, but he was texting, yeah, texting Brian Flores. Flores. And Flores had an interview for the job. So basically it's telling us the Rooney rule is a sham. Now, the crazy wow. part about it, they had already interviewed Leslie Frazier before Brian Dayball. So, quote unquote, they fulfilled the requirement for the Rooney rule, but I guess they wanted to make it look like they were trying to hire a minority. So they wanted to, mm-hmm. quote unquote, bring Brian Flores into an interview. Yeah, so also Pat P. B. Flo, he was letting it go. He was letting it go today. The day was, you know, Black History Month, and he was just letting it go. He said, 
during his interview with the Denver Broncos, John Elway came in into the interview hungover, basically meaning he wasn't wow. serious about the interview. And he also had some other, you know, things regarding other African-American head coaches like Jim Caldwell getting fired after having a winning season. Um, Steve Wilkes uh, not handled the right way out in Arizona. It was a lot going on. It was a lot to really process. <laughs> um, I know you heard about the news, man. Just, you know, what were your thoughts when you saw freaking Brian Flores is trying to sue the NFL and different teams? And upon doing this, it's safe to say he's willing to risk his coaching career for this. Yeah. You know, right. so what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, I was I was completely, you know, taken away, you know, by the news. And like I said, my wife, my wife broke the news to me. You know, I was just coming in from the girls had cheer practice um today. And she was, and I was like, no, I ain't I ain't I see this right here. And mm -hmm. um, I was like, you know, how the heck this can be you know, possible that I went to read in, you know, the article, like you said, you know, about the the John Elway, um, the Dolphin, uh, Donna, uh, what is, what's his name? Uh, what's his first name? Ross, um, the owner for the Dolphins. Uh, Steve Ross. Steve Ross. He he wanted him to lose games, offer him a hundred thousand dollars to lose, you know, every game that he lost, he get a hundred thousand dollars. That's just, what, what are we in this, in this thing to win? Because at the end of the day, I lose. I don't have a job. No you know, question. So what, yeah. And, then, <laughs> yeah, so and you won't come out public and say you wanted me to lose. You just fired. Yeah, he'd get fired. Right. Like, so what are we talking about here? So just seeing that, that was that was something that was um um that I was I was completely um shocked by because if you look at it, you know, both years the dolphins continue continue to get better as the year went on. I think it was mm -hmm. like 71 towards the back of the year. Yeah, uh, they were the, the, the final eight games, half, they were seven and one. And last year they finished the season pretty strong as well, trying to get themselves in the, uh, in the playoff picture, you know as well. I thought their defense, you know, obviously he's a defensive head coach, and the defense of is you know what the identity of that football team was. You know, um, I thought he did, you know, with what he was, you know, given. I thought he handled, you know, you know the the situation, you know, extremely well as far as you know getting those guys to compete. You know, those guys as well, coach. Um, and those guys were um, um, ready to battle each and every time they stepped on the football team, uh, on the football field. But when I first saw the, saw the news, I was like, wow, like, really? Like, mm. and, and, but he like also you said. Stated, uh, and you were out in Arizona at this time. He said that Steve Wilkes was held to a double standard in Arizona. You know, what is mm -hmm. your opinion on that? Because you were out there. Steve Wilkes was your head coach, not mistaken. Yep. And it he was. only had one year in Arizona, right? Man, Steve was there February. Steve was there 11 months. And he got hired in February. He was gone in January. Wow. And that year, what was your record? You remember? Yeah, we won, we, we won two games. You know, we, we wasn't, you know, we didn't have the personnel to, to be able to compete. You know, we had Sam Bradford. You know, no, no, sh no, no shade on Sam, but he wasn't healthy. He had bad knees, and he got he hurt. Yeah, then he got hurt. Then we yeah. had Josh Rosen. Um, um, he got, you know, you know, he he played, but he wasn't he wasn't ready. You know, he wasn't he wasn't ready to play. You know, for mm -hmm. an NFL football team. Then we had a, um, you know, Mike uh, McCoy. Uh, what's Mike's name? Uh, Shucks came from Denver. Um, is it McCoy, Mike McCoy? Like the Lennon. Lennon. 
Who? Mike Glennon. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about he was a, he was our OC. I think it's Mike uh, McCoy, if I'm not McCoy. mistaken. Yeah. Tall guy. He was a quarterback coach for um with Denver when Peyton won uh when they won the Super Bowl. But anyway, him, uh, he was out, he was the head coach for um the Chargers, right? Think, yes, yes, the Chargers. He was a coach, the head coach for the Chargers. Yeah, okay. So he ended up being our offensive coordinator, which, you know, God, I don't know what the heck we had going on offense. So then Byron ended up having to take over. That's when Byron got his first offensive coordinator year mm-hmm. because he was a quarterback's coach and he had to get promoted because they fired Mike McCoy, I think, after the bye week or something like that, week seven, gotcha. week six or somewhere in there. So yeah, we I just felt like he 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 it it, it, it wasn't handled the way, you know, he wasn't given the the opportunities that, you know, other coaches would have been given. He wasn't mm-hmm. giving like he had literally a very, very short leash. Yeah. And, and you guys were three and thirteen that year. Yeah, three and thirteen. And with the with what we had, like we had a a bad offensive line. We had a, a you know Deep, I think Corey Torres is uh his uh his what's his name his um his Achilles that year. Chandler was Chandler was there, but it was like a everybody was changing. We went from a three four to a four three, you know. So we really didn't like we were just a lot of guys was out of out of position. But I feel like if if we had an opportunity to buy into the system and you know really see when it works, you know really buy into it how how it would work. But it didn't give them opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was, I don't know, it was, it was just bad, man. And you know what's funny? I've been asked this question a lot today regarding the Brian Flores news. What could be done differently to change the narrative of the lack of black head coaches in the National Football League when 70% of the league athletically, player-wise, is black? And I think when you look at the part of the issue, Pat P, and you played for two organizations, um, same as me. I think the issue is that in any field, when it comes to employment and when it comes to individuals making hires, two things will get you hired, being qualified and the employer who's hiring you, the boss, feeling comfortable around you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with owners hiring head coaches, owners, general managers hiring head coaches. Number one, they want you to be qualified. But outside of being qualified, they want to feel comfortable around you. And most of these owners, let's keep it real, they're older. They come from a different generation. And when they interview some of these African-American candidates, they might not feel as comfortable around them as they would feel with a white head coach. Mm-hmm. Because you can't sit here and tell me out of all the black coaches that have had opportunities to be interviewed, they're not qualified. But whatever coordinator job they hold at their current spot, they're doing a great job, but they're not qualified. Brandon yeah. Staley, who is the head coach for the Chargers, was the defensive coordinator for the Rams last year, right? One year. One year, he got that job because of the job he did with the Rams defense. He ended up getting the job to be the Chargers head coach. Do you think yeah. Raheem Morris will get the same, have the same luck? No. Nope. And it's safe to say the 49ers defense is better this year than they were last year. Prime example, they're playing in the Super Bowl. 
They play in the Super Bowl. Another example of how unfair the playing field is when it comes to coaches, black coaches and white coaches. Adam Gates was a head coach for the Miami Dolphins. Did a horrible job. Got mm-hmm. fired. I don't Everywhere know too many people, Pat P, can get fired for being bad at their job and get a promotion. Yeah. Within the division. The yeah. Jets played against the Dolphins twice while Adam Gates was the head coach. They knew exactly what was going right, what was going wrong. They decided to hire him and also allow him to make personnel decisions. And get this, they it's were crying when he was boom, doing a bad job and fired him. Why are you surprised? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you surprised? But that has been the storyline for some coaches. And I think until these owners or the people that's hiring these coaches, until they start to sit back and try to learn an individual, because when you feel, when you learn someone, you feel comfortable around them. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you, it's like me. The more I talk to you, the more I want to listen to you, I feel more comfortable around you because I feel like I know you better. Right. And if I know you better, I'm okay in hiring you. Mm-hmm. And that has been the issue. I mean, look at the Miami Dolphins years back when they interviewed Mike Tomlin. There's a story that came out. Mike Tomlin blew the interview away. It was between Mike Tomlin and Joe Philbin at that time. They had already interviewed Joe Philbin. Mike Tomlin comes in, blow the interview away. And they were like, no, nah, you know what? Let's, let's, let's bring back Joe in. Let's give him another shot try, to try to justify the hiring. Mm-hmm. And they still looking for a coach now. So 15 years later. <laughs> yes, exactly. They still looking for a coach now. So, man, it's, it's crazy how the situation occurred with Brian Flores to be fired after having a pretty productive season, second half of the season, Jim Caldwell got fired after taking the Lonely Lions to the Detroit, to the playoffs twice. He got fired after the successful season. Uh, Cully just got fired with the Houston Texans after one year. And in my opinion, had success with nothing to work with. And they said, I saw uh, when, when, when he got fired, they said that was already in the plans. I don't know how yes. true that was. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me nowadays. It wouldn't surprise me. They just they hired him to fire him. And now they're thinking about hiring Josh McCown. That you played against and I played against. Said he was coaching high school football, Pat P. Right. Yeah, I should have put my name in the hat. I can play and coach, huh? (laughs) Hey, he he go from high school football to Friday night in a small locker room to a billion dollar organization and you coaching that. Think about that. Two, two interviews, two, uh, you got two interviews. Oh yeah. 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 That's what they want. They want, that's what they want to hire as the head coach. And I heard a story come out from Houston. The Texans are, they want another team to interview him so they can kind of justify the hiring. Mm, So they won't be the only one interviewing them. Yes. I mean, let's keep it real. That's nobody else. Well, they might have booked that up because ain't nobody else interviewing them. Yeah, man. And hopefully, like I said, it can change, man. And that's just my opinion about why we're not seeing the the quantity of black coaches because I think a lot of these owners they're not just they don't know they don't understand they don't know them and they feel more comfortable in hiring someone who looks like them than hiring someone who don't look like them but not seeking the time to really understand them and I think it, it goes to almost any part of your life you know what I mean if you're looking for someone to do a job for you at your house you got to be qualified you got two candidates right Pat Pete you, yeah. And both candidates are qualified. You're probably going to gravitate to the one you're, you're more comfortable with. No, 100%.
Yeah, but if you guys, if the league wants to change this issue, then you have to force or make it a standard or a requirement that these owners learn and understand people who they're dealing with, who they're thinking about hiring. And just throw the ruling rule out of play because now the ruling rule is just basically, it's oh, a yeah. mockery now. They're just bringing yeah. in guys because just they need to fulfill the obligation. Yeah, just cover up. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's February, guys, and it's Black History Month. So over the next couple of weeks, me and Pat P, All Things Covered, we will celebrate Black History Month here on All Things Covered and highlight notable achievements in football. You guys just heard our candid conversation regarding minority head coaches in the National Football League. We only have one. But get this, Pat P. Back in 2006, Super Bowl 41 between the Colts and the Bears, it featured two black head coaches for the very first time in Super Bowl history as Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith went up against each other. That was 2006. You were yeah. still, you were at LSU in, or at Ely? Uh, no, I was at Ely. That was my, I was going into my senior year. I remember, I remember that game. It was raining. Yeah. yeah it has to take the, the, the game kicking, uh, open the kickoff back to the crib. Yes, they sir. Still, that, was still again. <laughs> that was my second year in the league. I was, I was, I didn't play in the game, but I watched the game. I was down there. What, what was, uh, how significant was that moment for you seeing that? Uh, you had two African American head coaches uh, lead their team to Super Bowl. Man, that was big. I just, I never forget, man. I mean, my grandma was just so ecstatic of just oh, seeing well, Margaret loves Margaret, football. Yeah, you no doubt about it. She, Boy, she was loves the, the football. biggest. Yeah, that 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 woman was the the biggest football lover that I've that I've ever been around. I know everything about the game, but I, I just remember just her being so happy seeing two you know African American court uh coaches being able to coach in the biggest game on the biggest stage in Florida. You know, and mm-hmm. there was in Florida too. So she just thought that was just so amazing. I'll just never forget she could never stop talking about that. You know, these two black head coaches they going at in the Super Bowl. Oh, this Super Bowl gonna be good. I just want both of them to win. I just want both of them to win. I just remember her just saying that all the time. I just want both of them to win. I know they're gonna end up in the tie, but I just want both of them to win. So just seeing the joy on her face to see, you know, to see that because with her being a football fan, with her literally my grandma, well, you know, she's a sports fan from mm-hmm. boxing, tennis, golf, volleyball, you name it. You she know, was the first win, first female that I saw especially at an early age, that love football almost much as me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know women can have a love for the game like that. Yeah. yeah. She got, I, think she, I think she said she she kind of got tinny man to it or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, my mom <laughs> watch football like, like a mug right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. So uh, I just remember her just being so happy to see, to, to see the two coaches go at it for sure. Yeah, I'm right. Because I remember her talking about, I remember her talking about when Doug Williams – um, one, you know, because obviously with her being a big football fan, she was mm-hmm. she was talking about that moment with him when she was in Carolina. I think she said she was in Carolina watching it, just all that stuff, giving us the history um, behind that as well. So, man, that that was huge for me because uh, that was my second year. We didn't get to the we didn't get to the Super Bowl, uh, but just watching the game, it was down there in Miami, like you said, it was raining, and just understanding and seeing history being made uh, by two. African-American head coaches. And at that time, Pat P, think about this. During 2006, I don't know if you know, but during the season, the NFL had five black coaches. So you had Lovey Smith, Tony mm-hmm. Dungy, Dennis Green, Art Shell, and Marvin Lewis, right? 
Mm-hmm. And you would think the success that both of those coaches had, that would have increased the number. But currently, as it stands today in the National Football League, we only have one black coach. So in 2006, we had five. Dennis Green ended up getting fired at the end of the season. But during the season, you had five. And right now, we only have one. So it's almost like we're going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, as we stated, you know, people will start to really try to set the field and make it more fair and even for African-American head coaches because there are a lot of great coaches that can coach. And let's keep it real. There are a lot of coaches that can't coach. I don't care what color they are. Got some people that have no business coaching mm-hmm. at all. But for us to have 32 teams and currently only have one black head coach in Mike Tomlin, uh, something has to happen. Change has to happen. And it all starts with listening. I think mm-hmm. that's the best way to initiate change. Listen, listen, listen with your ears, not with your mouth. Just sit back and listen so you can understand and feel how certain individuals are feeling that are not handled properly. So we'll see. But that was a huge moment. Super Bowl 41 will forever be remembered as a game breaking day event. Colts, Bears and the Colts won that ball game. Well, that's it for this show. All things covered viewers and listeners. Well, next week, we got a special big surprise. We're going to have some live content and live show for, for, from the Super Bowl next week in La La Land. LA. Where you can see, where you can see me and Matt. Stay tuned. Peace.